0: When we get anxious, when we get burnt out, when we get frustrated with diabetes, what happens? We're not in the present moment. We're not noticing what we're experiencing. In fact, we're trying to get rid of those experiences as opposed to noticing them. Diabetes is challenging, and sometimes we cannot make those experiences go away. It's gonna be challenging. And so the best way to approach it is to just sit with it, to recognize it, to name it, and to distance yourself from it, not avoid it, but allow yourself to see what's going on from the outside. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I would get wrapped up in my emotions. I would get wrapped up in how I was feeling physically. I would get wrapped up in my thoughts. And all that did was make it worse, make me feel more alone, make me feel more helpless. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, And I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Kamen. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes 23 years ago in June, and I remember when I was first diagnosed, life wasn't easy for me. I remember having lots of challenges, feeling really helpless at times, and really not knowing what I was doing. And recently somebody asked me, what is the best advice I could give someone newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes? And if I were to do it over again, what would I do differently with my mental health? On this episode of the podcast, I wanna talk about five things I wish I would have done earlier in my diagnosis for my mental health. I reflected a lot on these things, and I can't imagine how much easier life would have been for me if I would have implemented these things earlier in my life with type one diabetes. The first one, and probably the most important one, would be to find community. It may surprise you, but It actually took me about seven or eight years after my diagnosis to even realize how important community would be for me. I remember not knowing a soul with type 1 diabetes. And when I heard about somebody who had type 1 diabetes from a friend or from a family member, I would always get really excited. But I really wouldn't know even how to go about connecting with them. Yeah, this was before the world of social media and the ability to connect with people on Instagram and Facebook. So, but I remember really wanting that community, but having no idea how to get it and not even knowing that it really existed. There were times I remember having, you know, really high blood sugars or really low blood sugars and thinking to myself, there's no one who could understand this experience i am all alone in the world in this experience and i'm the only one who's experiencing these things now i know looking back on that that's not true but i also remember feeling that way and feeling very lonely there so finding community would have been so important and finding community on a regular basis i remember a couple years after my diagnosis i went to a jdrf fundraiser and i volunteered there and I was able to meet a couple people with type 1 diabetes. But those relationships really weren't meaningful for me because, and I never kept in touch with them after the event. So having those relationships, whether they're close friendships or whether they're just casual acquaintances that you see and communicate with as needed basis, I think is so important. And things really changed for me on one day at the gym. I met a young lady who, had type 1 diabetes, she actually came up to me at the gym and said to me, you have diabetes, don't you? And I was a little bit shocked to think that even, <laughs> to think that I looked like someone with diabetes and that she could tell. Uh, but I saw her pointing at my infusion set on my stomach and realized that she saw my insulin pump. But that day really changed my life and really made me understand, one, how important community was. And two, that I wasn't alone. We had conversations at the gym on a regular basis about diabetes, but they were really casual, understanding and seeing her on a regular basis and talking about diabetes and knowing that somebody got me was powerful for me. And I so wish that I would have had that earlier in my life with type 1 diabetes. Now, I recognize that I was diagnosed at kind of a weird time. I was in college as opposed to being diagnosed as a child or a teenager because of diabetes camps and because of parents taking their kids with other kids with diabetes. But as a young adult, that was one thing that I wish that I would have had. And I wish that I would have been intentional about seeking that out earlier in my life with type 1 diabetes. At this point in my life, community is not an issue. I I talk to more people on a regular basis who have diabetes than who don't have diabetes as a function of my work. And so I'm very well immersed in the diabetes world. And I see how powerful it is, and I see how helpful it is, not only for the people that I work with, but also for myself. So if you're newly diagnosed with type one diabetes, or you're relatively early in your diagnosis, seek out that community. Find people who get it. Find people who can support you emotionally. Find people who can call on if you need an extra infusion set, or, or you run out of CGM sensors or you need an extra vial of insulin. Community is there for lots of reasons. And the community is there for you around all aspects of type one diabetes. So seek it out and embrace it and take advantage of it. The second thing I would have done earlier in my diagnosis is to pay more attention to what impacts my blood sugar. When I was first diagnosed, my doctor told me, do whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. Exercise or not, it really doesn't matter. Whatever you do, just take insulin for it. And and while I appreciate that advice from a perspective of being free and flexible in my life and not letting diabetes hold me back, I also think that advice got me in trouble at times because it made me less aware of the things that impacted my blood sugar. If I wanted pizza and pancakes and regular Coke, I ate it and didn't really think much of it. And I remember there were times when my blood sugar was really, really high or crashed really, really low. And it just made me feel awful. And it also made me feel out of control. And that was not a good thing for my mental health. I really had no idea how different foods and exercise and other factors impacted my blood sugar. So I wasn't able to make decisions in a way that could keep me feeling good and could really optimize my mental health. Because I think we all know when you're not feeling well with type 1 diabetes, aside from the numbers, but when you're feeling awful, it really gets you down. It makes you feel a little bit helpless, and like it's going to be hard to move forward. And then, of course, you see the numbers going all over the place, and it makes you feel out of control. It makes you feel like there's nothing that you can do to control your blood sugars or get them in range, which then leads to some pretty negative emotions. So paying attention to what impact my blood sugar would have given me a sense of self-efficacy, that I have some decision-making power here. Now, I'm sure there are times when I would not taken my own advice and I would have chosen to eat foods that were going to send my sugar out of range and maybe not even bullets appropriately for them, but having that information would have given me a firm grounding in diabetes management and that would have had a big impact both on how I felt physically, but also more importantly, how I felt mentally. How in control I felt of my emotions, my activities, and how I was going to choose to manage my diabetes. The third thing I would have done earlier in my diagnosis to take care of my mental health would have been to take the time to mourn the loss of my life that I had before type 1 diabetes. When you're diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, especially when you're diagnosed as an adult or as a teen, you remember life without diabetes, And there's a sense of loss that happens when you're diagnosed. Not that you've changed as a person, not that anything about you has changed, but you've lost some part of yourself in that process. You've lost the time in your life when you could be completely carefree and not have to think about all the things that come along with living with diabetes. people react different ways. For some people, this loss is really profound. And it's important that you take the time to be able to mourn that loss, to be able to be sad about it, to be able to process what that's like. That's tough with diabetes because so often when you're diagnosed, you're in this whirlwind of having to learn this whole new way of being, a way of managing your life and your diabetes and always planning ahead for what's next. It's hard to take the time to set aside and just think and to mourn and to recognize what now is different in your life because you have diabetes. I remember that for me, I tried to push it aside and not even think that diabetes made me any different. And while I don't think that diabetes fundamentally changed me, I think that it would have been helpful for me to really take the time to mourn the loss of what I had before diabetes that carefreeness, that ability to be extremely spontaneous, the innocence of not knowing what it's like to be really sick. Mourning looks different for everyone, but to be able to take the time and just recognize what is different now, what have you lost, and also what have you gained in the process? How have you become stronger? Can be really helpful. Uh, that I was able to reflect on my life before diabetes and after, and see how things have changed, and see and look at the things that I missed about not having diabetes. The problem now, almost 23 years later, is that while I remember the time without diabetes, it's hard for me to remember the details of what life was like without diabetes. And so I really wish I would've taken the time to do this sooner. Whether I would've done it intentionally or just allowed myself to mourn as a normal part of the process, I'm not sure. But that would I think that would've been helpful for me to really see the change as well as to recover from it. One of the purposes of mourning is to be able to go through that process and come out the other side in a good place. And if you don't mourn, if you push things aside or allow them to bottle up or just not even think about them, it doesn't allow you to make peace with the changes that have happened. And so if you're newly diagnosed, I would encourage you to take the time to mourn, whether that's writing a letter to yourself before diabetes, and letting yourself know what you miss. Whether that's having a conversation with a friend or a therapist, or just taking some time to yourself and journaling and just reflecting back on your life and see how it's changed and see and and feel the sadness that may be there. That sadness is normal and helpful and even necessary to be able to move past the trauma of being diagnosed with diabetes and move to a place where you're able to live peacefully With diabetes. The fourth thing that I would do would be to find a doctor who gets it. Now, I have an awesome endocrinologist right now. She's amazing. She gets diabetes, she gets the challenges of diabetes, and she gets that I'm a human being who happens to have diabetes. But I'll be honest with you, she is the first doctor that I've ever had who is like that. I had doctors who didn't care at all and who were just there to write my prescriptions, check the box, and get me out of there. And I have to tell you, having a doctor who gets it and who really understands the challenges of diabetes as well as understands the medical part of diabetes is just so critical. It really makes the whole picture much more manageable because they're really integrating your mental health and your physical health together. They're not separate. They're an integrated part of life with type 1 diabetes, Having a doctor who recognizes that your life is not all about diabetes, and the diabetes management is really the avenue that you need in order to live the life that you want, having it be the end-all be-all, is so important. I have to tell you that once I found this doctor, it was freeing. It really helped my mental health to have that support from her. I really wish I would have been intentional and found a doctor like her much earlier in my life with type 1 diabetes. I recognize that some people don't have that luxury because of their insurance or because of where they live. But I have to say that now that we have the ability to have telemedicine and it's much more widespread over the past couple of years, finding a doctor who gets it can be so much easier. And trust me when I tell you that finding the time to identify that doctor and connect with them will pay off 10 times over for your mental health in your life with type 1 diabetes. And finally, the fifth thing I would've done earlier in my diagnosis is to practice mindfulness regularly. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know that in my opinion, mindfulness is one of the best things that you can do for your mental health with type one diabetes. But I'll be honest, I didn't start practicing mindfulness around my diabetes until way after my diagnosis. If you're not familiar with mindfulness, mindfulness is paying attention to your experience in the present moment without judging it. And as you can see, that is such a critical part of mental health and type one diabetes. When we get anxious, when we get burnt out, when we get frustrated with diabetes, what happens? We're not in the present moment. We're not noticing what we're experiencing. In fact, we're trying to get rid of those experiences as opposed to noticing them. Diabetes is challenging and sometimes we cannot make those experiences go away. It's going to be challenging. And so the best way to approach it is to just sit with it, to recognize it, to name it, and to distance yourself from it. Not avoid it, but allow yourself to see what's going on from the outside. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I would get wrapped up in my emotions. I would get wrapped up in how I was feeling physically. I would get wrapped up in my thoughts. And all that did was make it worse, make me feel more alone, make me feel more helpless. Once I was able to start practicing mindfulness around diabetes, it didn't make diabetes feel better, but it made it easier to deal with. It made it easier to navigate. Really pesky thoughts become so much less charged. They were still there, but they didn't make me feel as bad as they had before. Practicing mindfulness can be so helpful in so many ways in our lives with type 1 diabetes, whether it's around eating or sleeping or taking insulin Or just sitting with burnout and making sure that you're not letting that burnout hold you back. Right now, I practice mindfulness regularly. And it's really the pillar of my mental health with type 1 diabetes. And it's also the pillar of what I teach my patients and my clients in my work with them. So if I can give you one piece of advice, it is to start practicing mindfulness now and mindfully manage your diabetes so it doesn't become so overwhelming. And when it does, you're able to manage it, detach from it, and not let it get you down. So as a recap, here are the five things that I wish I would have done earlier in my diagnosis for my own mental health. Number one is find community. Number two is really learn what impacts my blood sugar, what foods, what exercise, how my sleep impacted my blood sugar, so that I can really make decisions intentionally about what I want to do knowing that my blood sugar impacts my mental health. Number three is I would have taken the time to mourn the loss of my life before diabetes. Number four is find a doctor who gets it. And finally, number five is I would practice mindfulness and manage my diabetes mindfully on a regular basis in an intentional way. I really hope this was helpful for you. How you can best take care of your mental health, whether you're newly diagnosed, early in your diagnosis, whether you're a veteran, there's so many of us who have paved the path before you and have learned lessons the hard way. And I hope that these lessons that I'm teaching you can help make the path for you easier so that you can improve your mental health sooner and live a full and flexible life with type 1 diabetes along for the ride. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. If this episode was helpful, do me a favor. Send it to a friend with type 1 diabetes who could benefit from it. That will help them and also help me spread the word about this podcast to people who really need it. If you're looking for more tools to help you manage the stress of diabetes and navigate the emotional landmines of diabetes like we talked about today, I want to invite you to join the Diabetes Psychologist Membership. This membership program gives you all the tools and resources you need to navigate whatever diabetes throws your way. We have live masterclasses, live diabetes mental health Q&As, case studies, and hot seat coaching, as well as a whole library of resources available to you. We also have a private Facebook community and a monthly behavioral challenge that will help you make an intentional plan to get on track and to stay on track with your diabetes and mental health. To learn more, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. And if you use coupon code COMMUNITY, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y, you'll get your first month for only $10. And of course, I always love hearing from my listeners. So please feel free to send me an email to mark at or send me a DM on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist. And of course, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Remember, type 1 diabetes is not easy but you can have an easier time with it. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast.